0: So many of the creatives that I met in art school were trust fund kids and were really wealthy, but that's not the case when I meet the working professionals. A lot of them have come from like working class backgrounds, didn't come from loads of money, and they're the ones that have survived and are working now. This is a show about creative people
1: and their creative practices. It's your weekly reminder that you are not alone in figuring out how to do the creative work that matters to you. Welcome to The Used Key. I'm your host, Ray Kess. This season, we're talking about money. And today, I have the pleasure and privilege of speaking with Gillian Stewart. Hi, Gillian. Hi,
0: you? I have folks introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? I sure will. I am Gillian Stewart, coming to you from Glasgow today. I'm a bookbinder, very much finding my way with money and my creative business. Yeah, here for it. And
1: before we jump in, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. Great, thanks. So as you know, we're going to be talking about creative work and money. And before we dive in, I would love to know a little bit about how money shaped your childhood.
0: Ooh, do you know, I think that's a great question because it's so relevant to how we think about money now. Yeah, so I grew up with a single mother and I would see my dad sort of occasionally at weekends, but money was always pretty tight for us. And I do remember my mom being stressed about money and having like two or three different jobs at the same time. So I was aware of how important it was and how stressful it was not having it. And then I, I, was, I was made to start working when I was 13. It was just like not an option that I wasn't going to get a part-time job. So I started working in a cafe for like fairly below minimum wage. <laughs> but it was, it was really good to get that experience. Obviously at the time I hated it, but yeah, I remember my first trial shift, I got a five pound note, which is maybe like, I don't know, equivalent of like $5 Canadian maybe. I don't know, like it's not a huge amount of money, but I was like, wow, I earned this and it's mine. So I think that, yeah, very much aware of how important it was to get money and the fact that you just are not going to get it if you don't work hard. <laughs> and I think that that has definitely played into how I've ended up working. Mm. So tell them. me a little bit more about that. How, what does your creative practice look like now? now? So I run my own studio as a bookbinder um, and I just work by myself. I've been doing that for about three and a half years now and I never thought I would end up doing this. I never saw myself as someone who dared to have the audacity to run a business because I'd spent so many years in just like really, can I swear? Yeah. (laughs) in really shitty jobs for like minimum wage. And I just thought that's always how it was going to be. And it's funny how that can influence how you feel about yourself and your potential when you're just used to working crap jobs. But I think that that background of having to work in, in rubbish jobs through like high school and then through university meant that when I was starting out my business, I was pretty cautious. I made sure that I had a part-time job that paid rent if I didn't make enough for my business. And I, I took it really slowly, tapering off the part-time work until my business had enough money to sustain me. So it meant I was pretty cautious and I, had, I always like to have a fuck it fund. When I've been working in a crap job, just so like if it gets really bad or if I want to go traveling or if I've had enough, I can just go, fuck it. I don't want this job anymore. And I know I've got a little safety net that can support me. So that habit of having that little safety net is something that was like vital in starting the business because there were some really lean months. And if I didn't have that, the business wouldn't have got through. So I think the habit of just being willing to take on a part time job that is not cool or glamorous, but that pays rent was really useful. And like the little safety net. Yeah. I've, just been, I've just been cautious. I think like having had, because I, I left home when I was 16 and had to like support myself through high school. And I think having had that fear of not having money really means that I've just worked so hard that I've, I've never had to be that skint again. Mm. All like horrible experiences at the time, but that really help make sure that you don't end up in them again, I guess. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's not a very eloquent way of saying that, but. <laughs> it's
1: true though. It's a pretty like, Yeah, like painful and and shitty sometimes, but also Mm -hmm.
0: like necessary. Yeah. And in a way also empowering because, yeah, although there's stress, also teaches you that if it all doesn't work out, you can always just get another job. You can always earn a little bit more money. You can find, I mean, maybe not right now in COVID times, but you can always get like bar job somewhere. Yeah, totally. And also, I think that it's not just all the jobs that I've had, like the waitressing jobs and the shitty bar work and the times working in Subway. Like, (laughs) they weren't just ways to make rent. Like, at the time, I worried that I'm, I'm not making it in this creative career. I'm working in this rubbish job. It's not going anywhere. But I learned so many skills from those jobs. Like, being a waitress will teach you so much about how to manage client expectations and how to look like everything's fine when really the kitchen's on fire and someone's throwing knives. So, and all of these things are are like so useful when talking to clients and like multitasking and keeping an eye on what table's got what and what I need to do now. And, you know, all of, just learned so many skills that have become absolutely vital in my business. I wouldn't have got if I didn't have to have these crap jobs. And they're also like, I got my first clients through working in a coffee shop, which led to more clients. So it has, yeah, it definitely has been useful. Mm. I wish I could have gone back and told myself when I was like, I'm never going to make it (laughs) that like, actually it's, it's all leading somewhere. You know,
1: yeah. And kudos to you for having such a thoughtful transition into your
0: creative practice. My God, it did not. It was not smooth at the time. It was so painful. Well, it sounds (laughs) like super smooth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, glossing over it. Yeah, you don't have to relive that pain. That's (laughs) fair.
0: So, how does money influence your creative practice now? I've been thinking about this in the run up to us talking and it's definitely changed. And this is kind of the first time that I've really had to like, I got to sit down and think about it. I think like a lot of creatives probably struggle to price themselves and have this inherited shame about asking for money for what they're doing as if it's something spiritual or magical that comes from the ether and isn't work and in many ways obviously creativity can be all those things but it's also a job <laughs> and like I went to a pretty fancy art school and I definitely have had to unlearn a lot of the stigma around asking for money for what I do I so think I've got de- I've definitely got better at that and that's come from I think I think When I was undercharging, I probably still undercharge a little now, but I think when a lot of creatives start out, they undercharge and then they do the work of the job and they feel resentful and bitter towards the client that they're not charging enough. And it's not the client's fault, you know, it's it's my fault for not pricing enough, not charging enough, but you can't help but just you really hate what you're doing because you know you're not getting paid enough for it. And that means that this job that you went into because you thought you were, you know, you wanted to do what you love and what you're good at, you end up really hating because you're not charging enough and it's just unsustainable. So I've definitely put my prices up recently and, you know, I've had a few jobs where people have tried to knock me down in price and I'm really proud of myself recently. Even this week, it happened when I stood my ground in ways that I wouldn't have done in the past. So I think I'm definitely growing. It's I'm, I'm not perfect yet, but it's definitely, you know, it's moving in a more positive and sustainable direction. What was the shift for you where you were like, nah, I'm going to stand my ground? I think it came with increased confidence after I'd been doing my job for a little while, where you know the value of what you're doing. You know that you're good at it. And that only comes from having done it for a little while and you know, we all have these doubts. We're like, oh, I'm not good enough. This isn't going to work. It's not good. And then you do the thing and it's fine and it's good and people like it and you have happy clients. So I think it came after, you know, working successfully and people liking what I've done and me doing my job well in ways that I previously thought I wasn't able to. Mm. So I think it comes from like testing yourself and then like you, you pass your tests. And also I think, I think a lot of it came from, from looking at how I felt about my clients. Because in Glasgow, it's quite a small city, especially in the creative scene, a lot of people know each other. So you kind of end up working with friends or you become friendly with clients. And I always felt at the start, like I had to offer mates rates. I don't know if you call them that in Canada. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like cheap rates for friends. And nobody ever asked me for those, but I just always felt like, okay, I'm friendly with this person. I need to do them a discount. And I would just get so resentful. I'd be like I'm just not getting paid enough for this <laughs> and then you don't do the job well you cut corners and, and I didn't like how that was affecting my friendships because people will come to me because they want to support me but also I had to believe that it's because they liked what I did and it did take other people telling me that to believe that so yeah I didn't like how I was getting a little bit bitter and resentful and I decided that the friendships were more important than them getting a discount so I've stopped doing mates rates and I feel like that was quite a big step and loads of people do them. But now what I do is I tell them they're getting mates rates, but I don't give them mates rates. <laughs> it's all about the story. Yeah, but I might like give them a little bit extra. I'll do, I'll do something a little bit special, but I can't, for the sake of our friendship, I can't undercut myself.
1: So as you and I both know, money is never just about money. Mm. What other factors influence your ability to make money as a creative? So you talked about confidence is there anything else like it's I mean so sometimes this
0: can be a conversation about privilege or health things or whatever do you know I was actually talking to someone about life insurance today and thinking about like if anything happens to my hands or my body I'm so screwed because there's no one that can step in so I guess like health like I'm quite lucky I'm pretty healthy I've not had to not work for any reason but I guess that would impact it mental health for sure there's been times where that has gone up and down and that has made me unable to work yeah Start when I started out I it coincided with with going through therapy as well, which was totally vital to. The, at the time, they didn't feel connected, but they're so connected.
1: Like Look, you Let's wind back the clock for a moment. Sure. What is the most creative way that you've made money? Obviously, bookbinding is
0: super creative, but before that. Uh, And
1: creative in terms of like doing actual creative work in a traditional sense or just like clever? Being resourceful.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. I feel like all my jobs have been pretty boring and safe in terms of finding money resourcefully. Before I was a bookbinder, I illustrated some children's books. So I did three for a Scottish author. And... Yeah, that was, I think, my first creative work. And I got that because I had heard that she was looking for an illustrator, having published a few books before. And I just made her like a little mock-up and sent it to her and said, can I illustrate your books? <laughs> and she said yes. So I guess that was quite enterprising. Yeah. I was just really cheeky. I was just really cheeky. <laughs> I think it paid off.
1: That's so neat. Yeah. Are the so, books still like out in the world? They sure are. I can send you some. Yeah, or just send me the names. Let me see if I can hand them down.
0: Oh, they're so like, honestly, they're so cutesy. And they're about like unicorns in Scotland because that is our national animal.
1: I love unicorns.
0: (laughs) So they're all about unicorns in different Scottish places. So I got to go and look at these islands and spend time there and draw from them. So actually that was kind of dreamy, but the whole process is very stressful. It's a yeah. very illustrating a book. My God, I had no idea how much work was involved in it. And like I went and studied illustration at an art school, but they didn't teach me how to do roughs or send things for approval or what format things needed to be in. So very much just absolutely made it up as I went. Fake it till you make it. I'm pretty sure I first heard that from you, Ray. So I faked it.
1: <laughs> Amazing. But you wore it, obviously. You pulled it
0: off. Oh God, just about. So yeah, probably that I would say. Everything else had been pretty boring. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I can't wait to see these books. So speaking of experiences Mm -hmm. and you sort of touched on this at the beginning of our conversation, but what's the most creativity killing way that you've made money? In any job ever. Any job, even if it was a creative job, like even if it was like that former bookbinding studio where you were just like, I wanted to gouge
0: my eyes out. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to gouge someone else's eyes out.
0: Yeah. That was quite stressful and creative. Creativity killing. Gosh, I really want to answer this question well. I think that the creativity killing stuff probably comes from having a creative business because you get the exhaustion that you don't get when you're doing something different. Yeah, that's real. Mm, So I think just like general exhaustion from doing the job I'm doing now. Mm. There have been times where I, do you know, maybe the pressure to create products in my current job Mm. Is is really? I find it really difficult, and the pressure of having to make things that people want and then convince them to buy it, I find that quite really difficult, and that kills my creativity. That just always brings on a massive block. Yeah, it's like I, I do a lot of bespoke work. Most of my stuff is bespoke, or I do work for exhibitions and competitions, and that's cool because I either work with a client or I just do something that's completely my own and very indulgent. But like before Christmas, like last year, I swore that I wouldn't try to make products for the Christmas market again because I don't enjoy it. I never make that much money and it makes me feel cheap and nasty. It probably shouldn't. But then COVID happened and I was like, I need to make some shit that people are going to buy. <laughs> Quick, let's make a million sketchbooks or notebooks or whatever. And that pressure, I think, to make things that I know people don't really need. Nobody needs another notebook. Nobody needs to spend loads of money on a, on a, on a sketchbook. But I'm trying to like convince people in a pandemic to part with their money. It just feels a bit cheap. And I think maybe that's why that stopped my creativity, and I had a massive block. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the one that's been most encompassing, and I'm really in it, so it's hard to remember what happened before it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, are you able to support yourself fully now through your creative practice? I am.
0: <laughs> Wonders do happen. My God, I would never have believed it. Praise be. <laughs>
1: yeah, and how do you how do you hold the fact that you do? You're a fully employed, working creative.
0: It just blows my tits apart. Like, I never thought it would ever happen. (laughs) Never, ever saw it for myself. And just, like, feel insanely lucky that I get to do it. I mean, I like, I want to be clear, I do not earn a lot of money. I earn, like, (laughs) way less than most people would expect to get paid a salary, especially for the amount of hours that I put in. But I'm just happy to be able to do something that I like and not have to do anything else. (laughs) Totally. Such a luxury. So, yeah, it does feel unstable. I do worry. I think I've worried from the start that like, oh yeah, I'll get a job, but then I'll get no more. Everyone will have had had enough books. No one in Scotland needs any more books. Okay. That's it. You're done. (laughs) Which I mean, probably won't ever happen. I hope it never happens. Yeah. I guess it feels like it doesn't feel super secure. Often it feels like it's a fluke (laughs) that I'm still doing it, but I'm just going to keep riding that train.
1: (laughs) Totally. And like, not that, you know, capitalism, whatever, but I think the fact that you were pre-approved for a mortgage as a self-employed person is like not, you know, like they don't do that for every self-employed I person.
0: I know, it's really crazy. Like I I honestly, like when I phoned them this morning, I just thought they were going to tell me like, you need to really, really shape it up. Really. You need to do a lot of things differently. Yeah, also like house prices are fucking insane and I'm only going to be able to get like something really small. Like I hate that they're just so artificially inflated and unattainable and ridiculous. But I also yeah she told me how much it would be for for a house of whatever was in my budget which is not a lot and what I'd be paying in a mortgage is so much less than I'm paying in rent and it's, this, is, this is just so I don't know what it's like over there but there's so many they call it buy to let here All right. homes where like people just have like a portfolio of properties that they just rent out just landlords buying up loads of houses and then people can obviously afford to pay the mortgage because they're paying someone else's mortgage but they can't get their own mortgage <laughs> it's insane
1: Yeah, that's totally a thing here too. And it's a problem, like, especially in our big cities where it's like the occupancy rate is like 99% or something. Like, so like, it's so hard to find new housing because there's a handful of people who own all these properties who are only ever going to lease them and they're not going to, like, so people can't buy into the market. It's such a Mm. weird,
0: yeah. It's It's crazy. It's so like, it's so frustrating. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Leah, I can't afford to buy where I live now, mm. but maybe somewhere on a train line so I can still get to work. Mm. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the dream is not to live in a city. Right. I just live up a hill somewhere Yes. with my five dogs. In <laughs> for a it. forest.
1: Yeah. Yes. And a
0: big studio barn. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Shake it up. Stop when the clock 13. You've
1: been working. Watch your blood. So, what do you wish you had known about money earlier on in your creative practice?
0: I was really bad at keeping on top of my receipts and like doing admin stuff for a while. I would just throw receipts in a bag and that was a nightmare to untangle. So, I wish I just kept proper accounts right from the start. I feel that's not a great answer though. No, that is a great answer and I can
1: totally empathize. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: I don't I mean I discovered QuickBooks and oh my gosh have you heard the good news (laughs) I'm also on that train (laughs) oh it's just man life-changing because right now everybody in the UK is doing their tax returns so we have to do if you're self-employed once a year Mm. you have to put your earnings in and then you pay the tax and it's always at the end of January which I feel is a really mean month because everyone's depressed and skin so but QuickBooks you just like it takes five minutes I did it six months early because it was so easy (laughs)
1: And you just keep doing it. Once you like get it set up, you're just like, you just categorize your transactions as you go. And then it's just like tax season and you're like, oh, here's
0: all the information. And then you just, you can take a picture of a receipt and then throw that receipt in the bin. Never to be looked at again. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. I wish I'd started QuickBooks earlier. That's what I wish. (laughs) I'm not sponsored by them. I don't have shares, but uh, (laughs) I love them. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. I think, yeah, I think I got in, I think I wish I'd got in the habit of proper accounting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it also gives you, when you know what's coming in and out in a a way that's like weekly or monthly rather than just once every six months, it gives you a much clearer picture of where you are and how bad things are or how good things are, which is Mm -hmm. super useful. Mm -hmm. I think it can be so tempting to go like, ah, I'm scared of what the bank account's doing. I'm just not going to look at it, but actually it's so much better if you just look rip off the plaster, the band-aid, sorry, rip off the band-aid. <laughs> Plaster's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it in the trash can that's on the sidewalk. And, uh, and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, turn. totally.
1: I, yeah. Um, I feel like for a lot of creatives, and I would put myself in this camp, like looking at money was scary because it was sort of this, you know, the world sort of tells you like, oh, you can't be happy and do art. Like that's no, no. Mm-hmm. So then to look at your bank account and see money, it becomes like almost proof that like, oh, look it's not working. Like they're right. Like you can't actually yeah. do this. So you're like, well, you know, if I just don't look at those things, I still have to deal with all the self-doubt that comes up, but yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't have to deal with my bank accounts doubts. <laughs> I don't need to see it in numbers. Exactly. <laughs> so but then it works yeah. and then you just chip away and then, you know, little by little, the right, numbers get
1: bigger. Totally. So what advice do you have for other creatives when it comes to doing the work that matters to them and money?
0: Get a crappy part-time job. For some people, that means massively swallowing their pride. I think especially in the UK art scene where lots of people who graduate have never had jobs before. (laughs) I think that just get over yourself, get a crap job while you figure it out. (laughs) Get good at writing grant proposals. (laughs) I don't know, like here, a big part of a creative's life is just applying for things. So much applying. Is it the same for you guys? It can be, yeah, depending on what you're in, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not always like applying for funding. It can be applying for opportunities and it is a vital skill. So get get take some advice from someone on, on how to apply for grants. That's what I did and it worked really well. I guess like I've had a lot of help from people who give advice free or for, you know, limited amounts of of time. There's a few organisations here who will give advice, not just on money, but on other businessy things and just ask lots of people, lots of things because there's some really smart people and a lot of them want to help You can maybe get a mentor. There's some people who have been in the business world who are, you know, bored and working part-time and semi-retired and just want to offer their advice. So just ask for help. The worst that can happen is someone says no, but most people will say yes. Mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. Thank you. That's some solid Mm. advice.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've I've made a real pain in the ass of myself by asking lots of people for help.
1: It's great though, because we've all done it. So we all get it, right? Mm. For sure. At some point, people will
0: ask you for help and you'll be like, yeah, 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 for sure. And you know what? People really like being asked. I mean, I'm terribly flattered to have been asked to appear on this podcast because people like talking about their experience because it's useful to them and it's helpful. And like if someone's good at accounting or whatever, they like the chance to sort of show off their expertise to flaunt it.
1: Totally. Mm. Yeah. And we, I, my mind, it's like maybe not as bad in Europe, but maybe it is or in the UK. I feel like in North America, like there's such a celebrity culture that like, it's this weird, which is why I'm doing this podcast. Cause I'm like, there's people who are working creatives who have lots of brilliant things to say. That's really relevant to other working creatives because here Mm. it's like, there's, yeah, there's like celebrities in every industry, but like, you're never going to talk to them. And yet those are the Mm. people where they're like, oh, I look up to these people and I idolize these people. And it's just like, you know, cool but like you also need to like build connections at the
0: level that you're at yeah I think in that point another really useful thing that I find is just like we I guess like networking at your level but I mean and I hate the word networking and that you know makes me go like Ugh. but just like be nice and meet other people in your area that are cool <laughs> that do work that you like yeah just like be friendly and, and don't be an asshole and honestly that has been like really again another skill learned in waitressing but has been like, it's got me so much work. So just right? like, yeah. So yeah, be nice. And I guess like, I feel like I thought of something there. We don't <laughs> have the, we don't have the same celebrity thing. That's interesting. Yeah. I remembered. Yeah. So like the art school I went to did not teach us any business skills at all. We had like a one day symposium and it was on the same day as like our dissertation hand in, So nobody went to it. But yeah, learn as many business skills as you can. Just there might be free courses in your neighborhood and you might be listening to an old boring tax man, talk about boring things, but it's so important. Super important. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Writing business plans and all that boring yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The person who spoke at our convocation, he was a, or he is an author, but he said essentially like, you know, you're about to, you're living in a bubble. It's going to burst. You're about to enter hell, but if you keep your head <laughs> down and you make it to your thirties and you're still making work, then you're probably doing something right. Which was so great. Cause I was a little bit cynical at that time. But (laughs) a lot cynical, but what I like about it, or I think one of the truisms in it is like so much of it comes down to money. It's like, if you run out of money, you can't play the game anymore. Like if you don't, Mm. you know, if you don't do those, Mm -hmm. learn those boring business things that like someone's got to do. And unless you're a trust fund kid,
0: figure it out or else you might not get to do this. But like, if that's That's, the trade-off, you know, that's such good advice. Yeah. And like the more creatives who are working successfully that I meet, the more I realize that like so much of it isn't talent. Or natural ability. So much of it is just hard work, and ability to like really knuckle down and, and graft, and that counts for so much more than like natural talent. And it also, I was thinking about this today as well. And just you mentioned trust fund kids. Like so many of the creatives that I met in art school were trust fund kids, and were really wealthy. But that's not the case when I meet the working professionals. A lot of them have mm. come from like working class backgrounds. Didn't come from loads of money, and they're the ones that have survived and are working now. So interesting. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah, I know. I know. But when you're when you're in it and you're surrounded by all these rich kids who like don't have to, they can just party all night and they don't have to go to their crappy job and they were raised to speak with confidence. And so the crits go better for them and all this shit. You think that like, oh, I'm never going to make it, but just like work hard. Yeah. Work hard per kids. <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was totally, I remember that even happening in art school where, you know, the kids who came in with natural talent who often were those, you know, upper crust kids. The sort of I wanna say like year three, it was kind of like the kids who had just been working hard for two or three years, which like I was in that camp, you mm-hmm. caught up to them and then you started to surpass them because they were just like, But I was the best, whatever in my school. And it's like, yeah, and now you have to work because you're in a university that's everyone was the best at their school. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, you're
0: not the best anymore. <laughs> yeah. No.
1: Like the only way to be the best now is to like get better. But they've yeah. just
0: been like coasting. So mm-hmm. yeah. you guys work so much harder than us, like, oh my gosh. Oh, so yeah, I impressed. remember you saying that. <laughs> oh my God. I still think about it. I'm like, man, I don't think I've ever worked that hard before. Because <laughs> you were like teaching yoga and you were doing tours and you were also like making like amazing work all the time. And oh my God, it was great. Not sleeping. Probably not sleeping. very much. No. <laughs> and but then like body shut down. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen, won't it? Right? But I do like you guys have got a real good work ethic.
1: Yeah. Although after living in Australia for two years, like... I don't know if Glasgow is similar, but like, or Scotland is similar, like, but they're really chill there. And I'm like, really into it. Like, Did you love it? I loved it. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, this is like an option. Like, I don't, <laughs> there's a part of me that's always like, I'm going to move back to Melbourne one day. Cause like, it's just, why do you have to work all the time? Like what, like, why are yeah. people here so obsessed with work? It's mm. not helpful. It's gross. Yeah. And just chill Chill for a bit.
0: It's gross and it's boring. (laughs) It's boring. Like it's so boring. (laughs)
1: Before we go, is there anything else you wanted to say about money? Anything we didn't cover?
0: I suppose like just thinking of if I'd heard this a few years ago, just like hang tight and like, yeah, I guess like it's nice to have it. But if you don't have loads, it's not the end of the world. And you can always make more, but also protect it with your life. (laughs) (laughs) for that money defend it yeah like I am such a miser like I try to spend like no money and I just like hoard like smog the dragon like anything that I get because I'm just like no it's mine that's fair you work for it oh I don't know it's really but I was talking to my partner about it but because like I feel like I've got this little bit I'm saving up for a house and I see all these people who I could be spending money with and I could be buying like earrings from them and like Monks from them. And I do buy probably too much, but I could be like, I could be like spending it everywhere. And I feel really bad for keeping it to myself. But then you see people in like massive mansions with their massive cars and just like exuberant, like disgusting displays of wealth. I'm like, they don't feel bad. They're just shoving it in our faces. So I shouldn't feel bad for just hanging on to a little bit. I'm sorry. That was like some little rant that came out there. Totally. Eat the rich, basically. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. This was amazing. You're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. The used key is hosted and produced by me, Ray Kess. If you have thoughts or questions about this episode that you would like to share, head over to the URL in the show description and let me know what you're thinking about. And just a reminder that money is a really personal topic for all of us. So if you're going to comment on today's show, please do so in a way that is thoughtful and respectful. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and for showing up to do the creative work that matters to you. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, Stay bright.
0: Like we do it, like we do it. Cause now we can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.